Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. Closes out our third season. Today we are joined by Pam, who shares the powerful discovery of her own maternal power and how she came to free birth. After a forced C section, because she and her baby were surely too big, she knew what had happened was wrong and it could never happen again. So then she tried medical midwifery and shares the complicated terrain of achieving a VBAC at home and still being left knowing that she had been sabotaged and pathologized in so many ways. And then Pam gets pregnant with her daughter and she knew she could not afford anything less than total autonomy. Pam tells us how she learned to trust herself through her wild pregnancy and free birth which taught her how to go on to advocate for her children for the rest of their lives. So I'm excited to have you on the show because we haven't had a lot of women who have older children. You know, we, we mostly have um, kind of newer moms on the podcast. So uh, why don't you give us a little bit of an orientation of, of how old your kids are and, and then take us back to uh, where it all began with your first. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I um so I have three kids. They are um, 21, 18, and 16, which is kind of amazing. It went by really fast. Um, 
And so my eldest was born, he was born by C-section. Um, and at the time I was living in Toronto, Canada, um, I was 21 years old and I knew that I had to explore different options in terms of where I would have the baby and what I was comfortable with. I just, I guess I just didn't know the range of options. Um, and so I did decide to have them at this birthing center at this hospital where this, the birthing center was separate from the um, obstetrics unit. And I thought that sounded reasonable. And I got to work with these midwives and, um, but push came to shove and I ended up having a C-section. He was, my baby was posterior. Um, so that made it a little bit harder to push him. Um, he was also nine pounds, five ounces. And I was told about a week before I went into labor that um, we'll see if we can push this one out is what the doctor said to me. Um, and so I already had this little bit of fear. Um, mm. And so, yeah, it was a normal labor for the most part. It was 12 hours. Um, water broke at home, went to the hospital, um, checked in, labored through the day. Um, I pushed for about an hour and then the doctor was like, he's not coming. Um, and we're going to move you to the OR. My God. And he was, he was pretty mean. Like my mom was there. She wasn't, she was getting upset too at the way that I was being treated. It was Friday night. My entire family was waiting outside. And I just remember being wheeled down this hall. Just, just, I was kind of numb, I think. Um, I just, I remember getting the epidural and I remember being on the C-section table. Um, my baby was thankfully healthy and the C-section itself went fine. Um, but I just, I remember feeling robbed. Um, I remember being wheeled to my room after and just knowing that something went wrong. And I just remember mm. saying to myself, this is never going to happen again. Um, Cause you know, that feeling when you're bullied, you don't, necessarily you haven't processed everything but you know it just wasn't right something just mm -hmm. wasn't right totally so um I spent a long time processing his birth I, I and it was so funny he had this little Playmobil set it was a like a doctor set um it looked like an operating room and he would pretend that um he was being born he would play with this and I wonder how much he was even processing because it was traumatic even though it wasn't like nothing really went wrong as far as the surgery itself, but. Right. But birth isn't meant to be surgery. Yeah. Like, so of course. It, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, oh. spent a long time processing it. And I knew that the next time that wouldn't happen. So um, fast forward to 2001, um, pregnant with my second baby. And I, I knew, okay, well, this is going to be a VBAC. It's going to be more challenging this time. So I went and I talked to our local midwives um, and they said that they would support me with a VBAC, but I'd have to go back to the birthing center because they um, couldn't, as per the um, Ontario College of Midwives rules, um, they couldn't attend a VBAC at home. And I thought that just couldn't be right. I mean, I just something sounded off about it. And they also didn't like the fact that I was bigger. Um, most of my adult life, I've been around 200 pounds. Um, I'm a fitness instructor. So I've, I went through a period where I was quite a lot lighter than that, but 
I've, you know, but I've experienced the judgment of being bigger. Um, mm-hmm. They told me that we wouldn't be able to palpate the baby and there oh my God. concerns about that. So I'm like, great, you're That's shaking. so not true. <laughs> wow. You know, and, and before you were super young, right? There's always something to be, um, to be held against you, right? Too young, too big, too small, too old. You know, there's always, yeah. there's always a thing. Yeah. So I um, contacted the College of Midwives. I... I emailed them and then they got back to me pretty quickly and they said, no, that's not true. Um, if you've had a low transverse transverse incision, um, then we consider that to be safe. Um, you can have your baby at home with no other risk factors. I, I don't know what their whole list of risk factors would be, but um, they told me that it was okay for my, my circumstances. So um, I knew, okay, well, those midwives lied to me. <laughs> so I can't go back to them. Um, I didn't know what my options would be. So I did some research. I did some homework and I found out about um, ICANN. And so I contacted the local chapter, which was actually on the other side of Toronto. I still lived in Toronto at the time, um, born and raised there. And I've lived in Washington for the last, um, going on 16 years now. No, 18 years. (laughs) So anyway, um, I did find a midwife that would support me through VBAC. She was all, all the way on the other side of the city as well. So I had these commutes going back and forth. Hmm. Um, her name is Chris Sternberg. Um, she had a long history of supporting women in VBAC and supporting incarcerated women. Um, and she said, sure, I'll, I'll attend your home birth. And so that was great. Um, but I had to fight through my pregnancy. There were just all these little issues that would crop up. Um, and I don't know where the strength came from inside of me that I was able to get through it all because I could have caved at any point and I could have said, okay, um, let's just go with a C-section again. And there were times where I came close to that. I was close to, I was 24 years old. Um, and I just, I was like, why is this so hard? Like, why do I have to fight so much for this? Um, I was told that I might have gestational diabetes because of my size. I just have big babies. And so I just felt like there was something wrong again. So I did the test um, and everything was fine. I even got a glucometer because they weren't sure that the test I got was um, the glucose test. They weren't sure that it was accurate because it was like, you're still measuring really big. So I bought this glucometer for people with diabetes and I'm checking my blood sugar levels before and after I ate and I was fine. I was okay. Um, I was eating really well, I was active, chasing a three-year-old around. Um, and so I, I, I'm trying to think of the other things that went wrong. Oh, I was told the baby had an ultrasound at around 22 weeks and I was told there might be something wrong with the baby now. His limbs are really short and his head's really big, head and torso are really big. Um, I was like, but that's how I'm built. (laughs) I'm built like that too. (laughs) So, um, we ended up having to go to a high risk obstetrician at, um, just, it was, (laughs) it was crazy. I, so this doctor told me that, you know, what you're doing is risky. You shouldn't have a VBAC. Um, we should be planning your C-section and she was like, if it were me, I wouldn't let you go past this certain date. Um, he was due New Year's Eve. And I'm pretty sure that's what she said, that she would schedule it for New Year's Eve. 
So I was like, great, now I'm running out of time. <laughs> so um, it all turned out fine. The baby was fine. Um, they did this high risk ultrasound and I was told that, yeah, he's got short limbs. Um, my son, he's, he's built like I am <laughs> to this. I mean, you can see that now, um, but he's fine. He's, um, he's always been super healthy, super strong. Um, then he was breech. So I was told, well, we can't attend a home birth if your baby's breached. So <laughs> I was like, all right, it's another hurdle. Mm -hmm. So I saw a chiropractor. We did the Webster technique. Um, I had um, this form of um, uh, oh my gosh, moxibustion. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> we did all these things. Um, baby wasn't turning, so um, my midwife did an external version. It was very painful. I think I was about 35 weeks at that time, um, but I started to see it as my only hope. And she's, you know, there were risks involved. We were prepared to transfer to the hospital if needed, just for that version at my, where I was in my pregnancy. Thankfully, my baby boy decided to turn. Um, but I remember the pain. It was very painful. Um, but we did get him to flip by some miracle. So I went into labor on December 18th. Um, just very fast. Just, I was, um, she did stretch my membranes. Now I remember this all, um, because we were trying to get the baby to come sooner. Um, so I had a midwife appointment that day and she, um, she went in and tried to like, I guess, manipulate my cervix, which now when I think back, I'm like, why did I even let that happen? When you're, when it's set up for you that all now after a C-section, you know, you can do is try to avoid the second C-section. It creates this willingness to just do whatever is suggested, you know, because it's to avoid the thing that happened last time. So there's this real, yeah, it's very confusing and it's very, very hard to think clearly um, in that kind of dynamic. Yeah. It was this race against time and there was this pressure mm -hmm. because the baby was, he was big. He was 10 pounds, five ounces at birth. Um, there was that, um, just my size, everything. And so right up to the moment he was born, I had doubts and I had fears and I knew that I would have to be strong. And I don't think that it's fair to put that much pressure on women. Um, it took away oh from my intuition. Um, mm. You know, it would have been a smoother process for me in so many ways. But I mean, I did learn how to advocate for myself and for my 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 children. Um, because you you birth your babies and you've got to advocate through that. But then all their lives, all their mm. lives, there are different things. So it did make a difference in how I raised my children too. Sure. Um, and myself through different challenges in my life. And I think that's important to, to say, given that my kids are older, these things do affect you as you um, raise your kids. Um, it just, there were so many times through my life where I was like, you know, I can trust myself. I can trust myself. I, mm. you know, um, so back to my son's labor um, or my labor with him, I had castor oil too um, <laughs> to try to make Damn. things faster. I know it made me God. sick too. It was horrible. Um, 
but it was only a four and a half hour labor. And, you know, that might sound great, but it was actually extremely intense because of that. I think because of the little manipulations we'd done to my bodies too. Um, so the labor, the, um, the, and just the contractions themselves were, they, I remember intense pain, but I remember enjoying being able to breathe through them. And um, I didn't feel the baby move though. And that kind of worried me a little bit. And then I did check in with my midwife about that. She's like, you know, he's probably just chilling in there because she was right about that. Um, I'm glad I got some reassurance on some things. Um, and I, <laughs> I'm glad I stayed home too because I was more comfortable that way. I think I would have gone into panic if I had been back at the hospital. And so what happened was, um, I started pushing pretty early in the labor. It was only about two hours in. Um, I started pushing and I ended up pushing for about two and a half hours. So um, getting to that point, that was the part that was really difficult for me because an hour into pushing my first baby, um, I was bullied into a C-section. And so I was like, you have to give me a chance at this. You've got to let me push. So she did have different options. She brought a birth stool um, and I moved around a lot. I was up. Um, and I just, I remember at certain points I was like, I can't do this. I can't, I can't do this. I can't go on much longer. And they were like, well, this, <laughs> you got to do it. I'm glad I had some reassurance there. I really am. Um, and I did, I pushed them out. Uh, she gave me a small episiotomy though. Mm. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I all those little things did affect me. Of it course. Did. I mean, I still had this sense of, was that really necessary? Um, but I pushed my baby out on my terms, on my own bed. And that was very healing for me. It was a profound experience. Um, he was healthy and beautiful. And um, my eldest son came into the room right away. He was like, good job, mom. And he got <laughs> to see his baby brother. Um, just born and um yeah so that was a I mean I can say honestly it was it was healing for me but there were still things that left me um processing well there's still a tremendous amount of sabotage in this story which is where this stuff gets really complicated because I really hear you in in the the healing right? Like, cause you still get to walk away from that birth being like, I did it, yeah. you know, and you got to reclaim the thing that was robbed from you in the, in the first birth. But at the same time, there's still abuse, yeah. you know, there's still, yeah, this like lingering, like, wow, everything was still framed as wrong, right? Your baby's position, your, you know, your like air quotes, fake gestational diabetes, <laughs> like all of, all of this is still wrong, you know? So it's, it's very complex. And I think this is where a lot of women are at where as, and this is why I'm excited to get into the third, the third part of your story, the third section, because I think so many women are, you know, bullied and abused in the system, have their C-sections and then go to med medical midwifery and think that that's it. And think that that birth, which is still wrought with abuse and sabotage is as good as it can get. Right. And so <laughs> it's, it's quite exciting to have your story on the show because knowing that you then get into 
this third option and experience, um, it's just so important for women to know that the road of options doesn't end with a midwife no, cutting you, you know, yeah. and, and doing all this stuff. Yeah. So anyway, so you're, you're, you're left after this birth kind of in what, in what kind of a state? I was both really happy. I mean, I, I, but also at the same time, um, it's just like after I had the C-section, I knew something was wrong that mm. certain things were well, I didn't feel empowered with certain things the way that they were. And it just always felt like this race against time in this, this, I would have to prove that I could have the baby. Mm. Um, and it felt like because I had all these, I had two midwives actually attend my birth. She had a second come with her um, and a doula. And my, he's now my ex-husband, but um, he was there. Um, and I almost felt like it was just too much for me. I, I couldn't really listen to my body enough. Mm -hmm. um, that was something that came to me after he was born. Um, and I had one friend, um, I was part of an online mom group and they really, they were my support. They were really the only support I had through everything um, for the most part. And those women are very wise. Um, and one of them had her baby, we said unassisted, unassisted childbirth, UC was the term then um, in the early 2000s. And so I like free birth. I like that better. Um, it's beautiful. Anyway, I had one friend that had had an unassisted birth. Um, she ended up having her, she's got four kids. She had her last two um, at home um, free. And so that was sort of my inspiration. And I, that, that you know, just knowing that that would be a valid option for me. And, and I'll tell you, not many people agreed. And I stayed quiet about it for the most part. I mean, to this day, my daughter doesn't know the full story. Yeah, not everybody thought it was, um, I mean, even most of the people in my mom group, they disagreed with me and the woman who'd had her babies at home um, free. And I don't know what it was though. There was no other option for me in the end. Like my, my third baby, my daughter, I, we were living in Washington by then. Um, the year after Caleb, my middle son was born, was a complete whirlwind. Um, I didn't expect to move to another country um, across the continent. And there we were. Um, so even going back to the midwife that I had wasn't an option. Um, my younger two are only 22 months apart. And so um, there I was pregnant again, and I'm in a new city, um, new country. <laughs> and I just, um, there weren't as many options as far as midwives go. And I knew that birthing centers would not be an option through ICANN. I did start attending the ICANN meetings in Seattle um, just to talk to other women and get a feel for what would be available um, in terms of support. And so um, birthing centers, I think to this day, they don't allow VBACs in birthing centers in Washington. So that was out of the question. Um, and there was only one midwife in Seattle at that time that would attend home births. Um, and then if you needed to transfer to hospital, she was not going to be able to come with, with you, um, risking liability. So you'd have to go in and say you, you were unattended anyway. So um, she catheterized a lot of her clients in labor. And I don't know why um, some women thought it was completely valid and normal. They were like, well, she didn't like our bladders getting too big because then it would make, make it harder to push the baby out. And I'd never heard anything like that before. I was like, 
what? Um, knew I didn't want a catheter. The one time I'd had a catheter was for my C-section. Uh-huh. Um, and I still remember the pain of having it pulled out. I was like, I can't uh-huh. go through that. Um, so that was one big deterrent. Um, but I remember going and seeing her, very nice woman, but I, I couldn't, I just, I couldn't. And I went home to my, my partner, my, he's, we were divorced a few years ago. Um, he was supportive of me though. Um, he was not in agreement, but he was like, if this is what you're, you feel you've got to do, then you've got to do it. Um, I said, no, I need to have the baby at home. Um, and I'm going to do it myself. So that's, that's exactly what I did. Um, and I really had to tune into my intuition. Um, and I, what, something that really um, helped me was to see it as myself manifesting what I believed in and what I knew I had to do. I mean, the whole experience, my whole pregnancy with her, my daughter was very intuitive. Um, Even before I knew I was pregnant with her, her name came to me, um, Tara. And I had to, um, I had to honor what I was feeling. And so she was born on October 22nd, 2003. Um, I had planned for a water birth. So we had the tub in the house and um my water didn't break until the end that time which was interesting because with my boys it broke at the beginning so that was like the signal of labor starting Mm. it was different with her because um it started pretty gently um but But you were also not getting any vaginal exams so no one was messing with you there was nothing like that no Um, so did you have a wild pregnancy then you didn't see anybody for your pregnancy yeah I did have a wild pregnancy I didn't see anybody um there was a homeopathic doctor that I'd been seeing um but that wasn't really for my pregnancy yeah um but everything was healthy I didn't feel like there was anything wrong I could feel her moving all the time I felt very connected to her um I just I I can't I You just lived. There was something powerful inside of me that knew it had to be done this way. And I Mm -hmm. couldn't, like, literally, I couldn't do it another way. There was, I mean, I also felt like my options were severely limited. Even if I'd worked a care provider, they wouldn't. I'd be forced into going to a hospital. And I knew I couldn't do that. Um, So So your labor starts really gently. Yeah, um, it started really gently and I got into the birth tub and I was able to flip around, move around um, freely, which made a huge difference. Um, And so my um, ex-husband took the boys into their room. Um, He moved the TV in there and they were just, they were happy in there. Um, I was in the living room in my birthing tub and... um, I didn't really need anything. I was fine by myself. I liked the peace that I had. Um, And then at some point I had to get out. Um, It was just, it was starting to get really intense. It was starting to really hurt. Um, And I remember begging, just begging for a break. I'm not sure who I was begging to, but I just needed a break. And it did stop briefly. Like, and I got on my bed and I was just breathing on the bed and it did, it, I don't know what it was just before transition. Um, I just had this break. It was like a miracle. And I was like, 
just just have faith you can do this i'm telling myself talking to myself you can do this you can do it um and i got up and i started pushing as i'm walking down the hall trying to get back to the tub because i knew that's all i wanted to just get back in there um but at that moment i did start pushing um my body was doing it it wasn't even me it's just my body was trying to ease my baby out um and it was super intense. Um, I did manage to get in the tub two pushes later and out she came. I was on hands and knees. And she was born into her dad's arms. Um, and I flipped around, sat down and he passed her up to me. She wasn't even crying. She was so calm. Um, and I gave her a little nudge because <laughs> I was like, are you, you okay? Yeah. She gave a little cry. And then she just snuggled into my arms and um, it was perfect. It was, it was just, it was actually magical. It was the best morning of my life. I, um, you know, and the boys came in, they wanted to jump into the tub. Um, I was in shock too, because she was a girl. I had no idea. Um, and after having two boys, I thought I wanted it. I really did want a daughter. Um, but of course I'd have, loved a little boy as much it's just sure. I was like a girl <laughs> like it was just such a shock and um, there was just so much joy and the one thing about it though that really threw me for a loop was um she she had a really long cord and it had been around her neck but not tight um and we just kind of slipped it over her head and she was fine um and I've heard of stories where if the cord is shorter, the baby has a harder time and you kind of know if things are going to be, I think if you tune into your intuition, you know, you have a sense of where there might be challenges and where there might not be. Um, but that was fine. Um, but the interesting thing too, was that my placenta did not come out for about 12 hours after her birth. Um, and I don't know to this day, I don't know why. I don't know why. Um, it scared me. Like I was on the verge of going to the hospital at one point because I was like, what is going on? Like, it's still there. It's not coming out. And I had severe after pains too. Mm, um, yeah. She's still attached to her cord and I'm holding her and walking around with her and then laying down and it, there was nothing. Just Senna wouldn't come. Um, and I, I had to trust there that it would be okay like I wasn't bleeding um I had after pains but I knew that those were normal I'd had them before um 12 hours later it felt like I was birthing another baby I was like is there another oh. one in there <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and I did push it out and um yeah but even that it just brings me back to that moment where I knew I just had to have faith in the whole thing it's a leap of faith. Um, mm -hmm. And I just, I just want to say to other women, like, if you feel like you need to do this, you have to honor that, look into and explore all the different options that you have. But I think the, the number one thing is to listen to your intuition and um, really honor that. There's um, so much noise, I think, in the sense of all these shoulds and things that we should do and that we're told to do. Um, and there's so much wisdom inside our own bodies mm -hmm. and in our own hearts.
So how did the free birth of your daughter go on to change you as a woman and a mother? Um, it empowered me in a lot of different ways. Um, there have been different challenges I've gone through in my life. Um, my middle son um, has or struggles with dyslexia. Um, I've had to advocate for him quite a lot through the special ed um, system. And then he went to private school for a little while. Um, I had to educate myself and really advocate for his needs because, and then, you know, that just opened up my eyes to so much um, in the world too, about acceptance and about what we consider normal and how flawed and wrong that can be. Um, because what is normal really? Right. Um, and then just with my, with my, I homeschooled my kids for a couple of years too. And I, that was another area in my life where it was so questioned. Um, I doubted myself every day that I did it. And this is more than 10 years ago. And I wish I hadn't, I wish I had just been able to pat myself on the back and say, you're doing a great job. Because I remember feeling that way through my pregnancy with Tara. I felt like I'm doing something wrong um, mm. because it was so questioned. I knew that I wasn't. I knew I was doing the right thing for us. It's just that you can feel like such an outcast sometimes. And that's the really difficult thing. Um, but that will empower you for the rest of your life. I mean, now every time there's situations that come up where, um, you know, I'm just it's so difficult for me to explain, but there's so many instances where I need to go deep and listen to myself. Um, and in general, that intuition is right. You may not know um, details, but you've got a strong sense and it's good to use it and it's good to trust that. Um, yeah. So how did you, how did you feel after you birthed Tara and your placenta was finally born and how did it feel kind of as the culmination of your three births? it felt very empowering. Um, it felt very empowering. I also felt some anger and sadness for what I had missed in the boys, yeah. especially, um, especially I with Jacob, um, the C-section. I wish that we could have had that um, peace. And I wish that I hadn't been treated the way I was treated. Yeah. Um, and that, that's what was really interesting to me is that those emotions came up so strong after I had her um, that I knew I had been I'd been cheated um, and I felt angry for all of the women going through that and it mm -hmm. made me question why why we're so I mean I heard this on another one of your shows um, you had said women are they can align so much with these systems that oppress them and I it's really fascinating to me. It's something I think about a lot um, and I don't understand it. Um, you know, we, it's, it's just easier to um, be compliant and until it isn't right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know what brings some of us to this tipping point where it's like, fuck that. We mm -hmm. can't, you know, I, I, I don't know, but I knew that I couldn't tolerate it anyway, so. Yeah. I mean, nothing's quite as transformational as the maternal power. You know, if anything's going to 
shift the consciousness, you know, and shift our path. It's, it's going to be within our mothering, you know, experience, which is one of the reasons I'm so drawn to birth and mothering, you know, as kind of an area of expertise, because I see the most transformation happen in that shift, you know, becoming a mother and, you know, like similar to your story, so many women who are robbed of their first or second births and then are just like, I literally can't afford to ever allow this again. And so then boom, there's the transformation and it shifts, it shifts the whole family. Yeah. 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 Do you have anything else to say or add? Um, I was just thinking about how challenging it must be for women right now with this pandemic going on um, to be facing home birth uh, or sorry, to be facing birthing in a hospital when the hospitals are so overburdened, um, it can be literally dangerous to go into one right now. Um, And then their um, support options are restricted, like no support person or just one. And what if they wanted a doula or in addition to their partner Um, and how much pressure there must be right now. Um, And I just have this great sense of empathy and compassion. And I just hope that um, by sharing my story that um, it might give some hope. Um, Because if you feel like you're not in a safe situation, you have every right to question that. You have every right to do what feels right. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you feel safest at home, stay home, stay home. Um, So I just would love to be able to give that encouragement Yeah. My mentor always says that things have to get really bad before transformation happens. The pressure has to get really big before it's uncomfortable enough that it's worth the transformation and the pain of transformation. And so, you know, my prayer with this, with this stuff going on, and I am seeing it happen is that women, it's getting so bad for women in the hospital that they're like, hold up okay, maybe this is actually worth leaning into my other options and it's happening, you know, and it's, it's, I agree. I mean, it's, I don't know what that's like cause I'm not navigating that terrain. Um, but pff, I mean, that hospital is already dangerous. So now to add a whole nother layer is, is just mind boggling. And, and yeah, a lot of women are questioning it and, and hopefully that's some, some, uh, something to be revealed there, you know, for women to take even more responsibility for their, their choices and their options. Well, I love your story. What a journey. Motherhood in itself has been such a journey. It's just so interesting to have kids that are near grown. Um, 21 year olds, he's on his own. Um, And I just, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it's carried me through my life. It's given me a lot of, um, hope and it's given me the ability to trust in myself when everything in the world is telling me to doubt in myself um I mean yeah my divorce even it was just you know knowing that I was able to empower myself and um that my senses were right it's amazing how often you might need to go 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 to that place mother as a woman um as a human being it's just we're told not to so much of the time um but it's right to do that 
Totally. And then that voice that says not to gets fainter and fainter and your internal voice gets stronger and stronger the more you practice it. It's like a muscle, right? The more you exercise it and get these touchstones like your free birth, you know, and get these, the ways you've advocated for your children, you know, create these touchstones of being powerful and exercising that power. And then all of a sudden that like social misogynistic bullshit voice that's in the back just gets fainter and fainter and it has less charge. It does. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'm happy to get your story out there. Thank you. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. And that wraps up season three, everyone. Thank you for being here with us. Keep caught up with us on Instagram at Free Birth Society. Join our newsletter on our website and we will see you this fall. You can submit your free birth story through our website at freebirthsociety.com and keep an eye on more courses coming out this year at freebirthsocietycourses.com. Until season four, lots of love. That's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.